Let's cut to the chase. The world of work is changing. There is no stopping that change. Welcome to the Better Work Project, brought to you by the team at SoftEd. I am your host, David Mantica, and joining me as co-host is Andy Cooper. In this podcast, we will explore the changing world of work, what the future of work means, how it affects businesses and workers alike, and how we can create more productive and engaged workplaces. I hope you join us for the ride. Enjoy. Welcome to episode one of the Better Work Project. The first episode is on radical candor. We're going to jump right into the concept of radical candor by asking Andy specifically. Andy, what is radical candor? Hi, thanks, David. Um, so let's start with a question back to you. So um, can you think of a, of a, a person you've worked for um, that they were able to have uh, tough conversations with you uh, and where you felt that when they were doing that, that they had your best interests um, at heart and that you were able to actually really feel safe in that conversation? Yes, I can, re- I can actually visualize the gentleman and I can remember two very, very specific conversations um, that were very radically candor, that were hard to hear, but I knew he was not just getting on me, that there was more to it. Yeah, and, and the key there is that, um, you know, from the perspective of what does radical candor mean, I think Kim Scott and, you know, the, the book on this topic really defines it from the perspective of that uh, as the receiver, we feel that the person cares, cares deeply uh, and we are receptive when they challenge directly. Um, so from that, we actually take uh, information and we're able to deal with it. And in most cases, we actually feel better off from it. So it's the big difference between that and the situation where we don't have that and someone provides an opinion um, and we're not receptive to it. So when you think about radical candor, then, are you thinking that there has to be a relationship? Is that part of it? And that the relationship has to be more than just subordinate and boss? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, ideally. Um, I mean, there are going to be situations where, where we meet people and we don't have a relationship. So some of the principles of radical candor need to apply in that case. Um, but if we think about the, the most common relationships, it's going to be with people that we either work with or people we, we manage. And, and really, I think the start point for that is, is really building, um, building trust. Um, and the start of that is actually getting to know the people um, as people and understanding them um, and, you know, learning about them and caring about them. So from that perspective, to utilize radical candor, you really have to, have shown that you have some type of interest in the person beyond what it is they do for a job and their function at your work environment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it you know, to care deeply re- actually requires, you know, and know about people, understand them, you know, understand their family, um, what makes them tick and also, you know, what's going on in their lives and why that may or may not be impacting what they're doing. Um, it's from that position that people, you know, we'll feel comfortable in, um, in sharing, uh, and it builds that trust between people. 
what's your thoughts on someone saying that might be too intrusive? Like, oh, wait, I got to know somebody's personal life. I got to know if they have children or if they have a dog or, you know, if they like cars. What is your thought when someone says, ooh, that's uncomfortable? Um, well, obviously, that's going to be a shared, co a shared conversation. So um, the, that'll probably take time. You know, we don't start with all of that. But over time, as we get to know people, then we'll start, you know, learning more about them. Um, and that just becomes a natural conversation. So I think the goal is that, you know, we will learn better when we know people better. Um, and when we know people better, we get on better. Um, it's more fun, you know, when we know people. And um, we also have a more of a sense of caring about them. Um, and, and that leads us to sort of understand and be able to, to make better decisions and better actions that help support that person. You know, it's funny you should say that. I always have this saying, where if you got two people you don't like, if you put them in an elevator together and force that elevator to be broken down for two or three hours, they're going to come back with a, a level of appreciation more that will make them most nine times out of 10 have some enjoyment of working with each other after that. So you're saying with radical candor, as you, as you build a relationship, that relationship can be used to be able to be more direct around issues that are occurring in the workplace. Exactly. I mean, I think that just helps build trust, which I think is this is actually the the foundation um, of this to um, to understand each other. Um, it doesn't mean you have to accept everything, um, and that's where radical candor is actually, you know, a way of being able to address um, could be behaviour or it could be actions or anything that um, that you potentially see as um, harming your relationship or harming the work environment. So there, one other thing that folks might hear about is radical transparency. So yeah. can you give us your thoughts on the differences or similarities between radical candor and radical transparency? Sure. So I think they, they really just move on from a sort of way of thinking, but radical candor typically is going to be a one-to-one, -one, um, you know, in terms of your relationship between you and a colleague or your or a staff, um, someone you, who reports to you. Um, I think transparency is more of a principle that applies at an organizational level where, um, where the, the leader or leaders of the organization uh, see it is important to be transparent from, the from a whole wide range of perspectives in terms of the performance of the company, uh, in terms of the actions they're taking, um, even down to some some information such as um, the pay rates, you know, some organizations actually make that um, publicly available um, as even as far as on a website. Um, so, you know, different organizations will look at that in different ways, but I, you know, I think one's more individual between you and another person and the others um, more of a construct for at an organizational level. So let's do this. I think radical trans, radical transparency could be a really good episode in and of itself. So let's go down the rabbit hole deeper of radical <laughs> candor, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay, good. You could be Alice, or I could be Alice, and you could be the crazy cat, or you could be the Mad Hatter. <laughs> I'll be the Mad <laughs> I don't really mind. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're thinking about radical candor, as you started talking about it, it really had me start thinking about self-organized teams. And the challenges are faced with self-organized teams and having to deal with conflict and without the use of a manager surrogate. 
So when I think about conflict, I start thinking about honesty. As I think about radical candor, I start thinking about honesty. But then it gets me to accountability. And you know, accountability is kind of a trigger word for me. So what are your thoughts on accountability? Um, well, firstly, I'd just be interested to get your thoughts that will define what, what do you mean by accountability? That's a good, thank you for that. Because you just heard it was a trigger word for me. You listen That's to me, right. active listening. So my frustration with accountability is I think people use it in the wrong context. So I'm going to make you accountable to get something or do something regardless of whether it's possible or not. So just the word I'm going to make you accountable is almost this thing to say, I'm going to force you to do something, whether it's possible. And as I'm looking at it, radical candor for myself would be to hold myself accountable when I can't do something and be honest about that. So when I'm in a when I'm in a stand up, I'm saying, hey, I don't feel well today. I'm not performing well today. I, if I'm holding myself accountable, I'm not going to be able to perform at a certain level. So my work product is going to be done. So it's being honest and saying, this is where I stand currently, not having some magic formula to actually create something from nothing because someone told me to be accountable for it. What's, that's kind of where my head's at. Does that sure. make any sense? It does. It does. And, and I think there's, um, um, for, for a lot of people, um, you know, there's quite a good book on this whole topic, um, which has been around for a while, uh, written by a guy called Patrick Lencioni, who wrote the book called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, and interestingly, if you, if you look at his, his whole model, um, you see that accountability is very much a byproduct of, of a set of other steps that, that precede that. So, um, he, you know, in terms of the sort of the way he would look at it, the first step is trust. Um, you know, people trust each other. Um, uh, and then, then through that building of trust, we get the, um, people able to, to, to manage and deal with conflict, which is really what we're talking about with radical candor. Um, and then from that, that builds commitment, um, uh, in that, in that we committed, we feel more committed to what we do. And then, then out of that comes accountability. So really, if you, you know, if you think about it from that perspective, you've really got to focus on the things before that, um, to actually make sure that accountability is an outcome or byproduct of, of, you know, building trust. Um, and I think before that it's actually building good relationships, um, that helps establish trust, um, to be able to have conversations, uh, in the psychologically safe type, um, way. Um, which will lead to commitment and ultimately accountability. Uh, but to demand accountability without, in the absence of those things, um, just doesn't work. That's an interesting perspective. That was actually very well said. I'm going to ask you two follow-up questions on that. For our audience who's listening, can you give them some thoughts on psychological safety as it relates to the radical candor and why the two are very important? Absolutely. So, um, so, the, the term psychological safety has um, been talked a lot now. Um, originally, it came from some work that uh, Amy Edmondson did um, to look at why um, some uh, uh, hospitals and why some uh, nursing practices were more effective than others. And she, she couldn't figure it out for a long time um, because there seemed to be this negative correlation between um, how... Um, how many the reported um, number of accidents um, and the the ability for people to feel how able to speak up um, and so um, out of that uh, came this concept that the 
you know, the first and almost the most important thing for a team um, to to be able to work uh, cooperatively and to feel literally feel safe is to have this concept of psychological safety, um, and that effectively means that the team or the group that I'm working in, people feel comfortable to be able to uh, voice their opinions um, without fear of, of judgment um, and without fear of retribution um, to the point where they can have tough conversations, challenging directly the argument um, and, and the topic to the betterment of the, of, of the team. Um, so when the reason this has become so popular now is Google did some research and uh, uh, under a, um, this project called Project Aristotle. And to their surprise, they found that psychological safety was the most important factor in determining um, the, the uh, success of a team. So we now look at that as a foundational attribute. Um, and so a lot of things go into that, but certainly psychological safety is, is something that um, as leaders, we need to really focus our time and effort in to make sure we create the dynamics within the team that support um, radical candor. Amongst so really, things. when you start thinking about that, so one of the things we had talked about was, and I'm going to skip my second follow-up question because I want to jump into something else. You know, radical candor in a lot of ways starts with yourself then based on what you're saying, which is your self-esteem, your comfort level within the organization to feel confident that you're not going to get booted because you opened your mouth. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that, that's going to be a, a subject, you know, that's going to be subject to the, how the team, the values of the team and or the organization you work for. So that's where culture can play a part too. So if the culture of the team or the organization supports that, you're going to feel comfortable doing it. If it doesn't, then um, you have to be quite vulnerable and brave to do it. Yeah, and be willing to be ostracized potentially or worst case scenario being fired. And I think, you yeah. know, going back to the studies you were talking about, the more comfortable you are, the more creative you are, the more creative you are, the more problems you solve, right? It kind of, it builds on this. You go from the theory to the practicum, you can see why this type of concept would work. So going back to radical candor and that other question I had is, is it possible to be use radical candor in a positive sense, which is to actually be very upfront and honest when somebody does something well, or is that just positivity in general? I think that's part of it too. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we think of radical candor as being having tough conversations, which exactly, precisely, um, which predominantly it's, it's there to serve. However, you know, if, if we think about what's going to motivate people, um, then it's going to be, um, uh, so focusing on praise and gratitude um, is going to have, you know, way more impact. So, you know, radical candor is a tool that you use selectively, um, you know, to move forward from difficult situations, but the predominant form of discussion should be positive and should be reinforcing good things and praising people um, with the view that occasionally we, we may have to have tougher conversations um, and we have a, you know, a set of tools to do that. That's really interesting because that goes back now to the next step for me, which is I, we kind of talked about this question a little bit before we jumped on, but this idea of, is there ever a situation where you shouldn't be a hundred percent transparent? Like I'll talk about, I'll talk to people about conflict. Sometimes I'll say, I'm, I'm not very big into conflict. It's not my favorite thing. Um, 
So sometimes I'll bury conflict and then if everything's working out great, but then sometimes it kind of rears his ugly head and starts to smell. And I think, you know, that conflict gets smelly because it hasn't been touched. I think radical um, candor actually attacks that concept, but do you think there are situations where you shouldn't be a hundred percent transparent? Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I think there's certain situations where being radically transparent um, would apply for, if I'm thinking about myself is, is if I'm not in the right frame of mind. Um, That's so a great I think the, point. The start point of this is, is actually, preparation and having the right approach. So, you know, if you're going to have a, a candid conversation, you really have got to be um, in a still calm uh, mind um, and be able to have a, um, you know, come at from a place of concern um, and, and with a view that you want to find an outcome. Um, if you're not in a calm uh, place, then um, that's much harder. So that would be a time where um, where you may be better to park it and come back to the to it when you can approach it and you know in in a in a way that's going to get a better outcome. It's interesting because here's where it goes. If I if I really started thinking about radical candor from an American standpoint, you know, yep. you know what's interesting about this podcast is um, Andy is is New Zealander and I'm an American, and from an American standpoint, we just want to keep charging, 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 and we think radical candor is about the other person but what we're saying and what i'm hearing you say is radical candor is really about you first your emotional intelligence your understanding of situational awareness so that you can make decisions on what to say and when to say it and what i love about what you just talked about to me it's like hey i'm gonna have a talk about somebody's compensation my dog just peed all over my rug i'm upset i'm frustrated so instead of having that conversation because the person might get upset I postponed the meeting for a day or two. Is that kind of what summarizes some of your thoughts on what you were saying before? Absolutely. I, I think the other aspect to that is that um, that it, it's got to be by permission as well. So, um, Ooh, interesting. Elaborate so, more. This is cool. So instead of me assuming that we you want to talk about what's of importance to me, we need to. I think you know, and this is proven through. Um, through research as well, it, it's much better to start from a point of view of, um, of permission. So um, in other words, we want the, the person that we're going to be talking to, to to be in the right state of mind too. So the first thing to do is just check in just to ask them, you know, is now the right time to talk about something? Um, you can preface what you want to talk about, but ask, give them the permission to actually um, to say, no, it's not. Um, and there could be very good reasons why. Um, and so to me, it's this two ways. We want both people in a calm state of mind um, to be able to have a, a, a calm and hopefully fruitful discussion. That's, that's really interesting to say that. And we're kind of going to wrap up here, but I, I want to add one last question, then we'll close out. Um, I kind of talk about this thing called likeonomics. It's kind of nutty, but the idea that we value being liked and we value working with people we like. And one of the elements of likeonomics is not in being nice, it's actually being truthful. Yep. And I always talk about the emperor, the emperor's dress parable where the emperor was naked and swindlers tricked them. So why do you think truthfulness is, is, a, is a, a likable quality? So, and this goes back to radical candor. Why do you think we ultimately do like that? Um, I think it's, it's authenticity. I mean, if, if we think, 
um, that when people are saying something that, that it's going to be the same as what they might say to somebody else, um, or it's the same type of thing we might hear on a different day, um, then that authenticity um, is, you know, people, val I think I would definitely you value that. Um, and so and it just makes it more predictable um, for people as well when, when you feel like you're hearing, you know, what that person really thinks uh, it, rather than what they, they, you know, think that you want to hear. <laughs> That's a great point. Great point. And so kind of they got this crazy quadrant then. It's like, all right, if I'm going to be radical can, if I'm going to use radical candor, number one, am I in the right state of mind? Number two is the person who I'm talking with is in the right state of mind. Number three is I'm going to be talking about that person's issues. But then I think the last thing is I could be radical candor about myself. Like I always tell people I can't spell. I can't spell to, put, to get myself out of a box. And I've tried to fix it, but I can't fix it. So I'm assuming that's kind of an element of radical candor, just to be honest about some of your weaknesses. I think it's absolutely. I think it's more than that. It's actually seek out, seek, seek feedback. Um, if you, um, you know, we think about it from a sporting context. So um, if you want to be great at sport, then you have a coach and you seek feedback. Well, how do I improve my golf swing or, you know, football kicking or something? Well, if we're a leader, then our job is as a leader and feedback or any other things is, is how is what we do. So um, asking feedback about the things we do is actually how, how we grow and learn. So if we start doing that, then, um, then other people see that it's okay. So if we start with ourselves by asking for, you know, for feedback, then when we actually give feedback, um, it seems, seems more natural. And it also from the other perspective, person's perspective, it's like, well, fair enough. Um, so I think that's a key to me. It's like start first, not um, expect others to uh, to do the same. <laughs> I think that's a great place to end, um, Andy. I really appreciate your time, you know, your deep thoughts, and you know, and ideas, and, and and overall experience in the radical candor space and the agile space has been has been well seen in this podcast. Um, I appreciate your time. And for the audience, we thank you and look forward to having you on another episode. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Better Work Project. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. If you have specific suggestions or ideas for future podcasts, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Continue to fight the good fight. We'll see you the next time on the Better Work Project. Thank you.